What's up, church planners and church planning enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and my fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. What's up, Matt? What's going on, my friend? Not much. Guys, you are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by Everyday Church Planters for the Everyday Church Planter. So whether you are a lead church planter, you're on a planting team, or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Matt, it's it's good to see you, man. I know uh, we've both had an eventful last couple of weeks. So uh, what's been going on in your world recently? Oh, man, it's been crazy. So Erica and our four kids, Isaac, Gavin, Sienna, and Cadence, they went down to the States for a couple of weeks uh, to watch uh, Erica's uh, little brother, Caleb, graduate high school. All right. And so they're down there. And uh, one night they had like, um, you know, like a I don't know what it was, like a bonfire, or they were at the chimney, you know, with the roasting hot dogs. At, at the what? <laughs> the chimney, man. What is that? <laughs> Come on, man. I don't, uh, no, seriously, I have no idea what you're talking about. A chimney about. is like a clay pot, that, you know, the it's got like a, uh, think, <laughs> say, hang it with me, man. So, you know, it's like, it's got the stand, and you put it like on a patio or something like that, and it's got like a, um, a round, kind of like a belly, you put like uh, wood and stuff in it, and it burns, uh-huh. and then it's got a top, and it, the smoke comes out the top. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to all know. our listeners out there, Google Chimania if you don't know what it is. But anyways, so there was like some hot ass. I don't know the exact story, but I don't know if it was a chimney or a bonfire or whatever. But uh, they, they got some. They, they dumped these hot ashes out like on Erica's mom and dad's, um, like by their wood, their tree line. And so the next day, Maul, as we affectionately call her, you know, Erica's uh, mama. And uh, she asked Gavin, our um, uh, our ten year old, to go out and to to dump these old popcorn kernels out into the woods. Well, well, Gavin walks into these, sees these ashes, and he kicks them. He doesn't realize they're still hot. Oh man! And so he gets like second degree burns on his foot. And um, and oh, so yeah. thankfully, you know, praise God, man. Like a couple years ago, we started taking out. Well, actually, Erica did. Like, dudes, we don't think about this stuff, right? Yeah. But Erica's like, we need to start taking out insurance because we're not covered in the States. And so uh, we get, like, insurance through our bank. And uh, so, you know, praise God, we were covered. Took them to the emergency room, started getting treatment and stuff like that. So that start that was like, that started their trip. And then, uh, like, two days before they're about to come home, Isaac, our 11-year-old, is out there with Gavin, our nine-year-old, and mm-hmm. Erica's uh, little brother, Caleb, who just graduated high school. He's 18. And Caleb puts boxing gloves on him. On, <laughs> on, on who? On, on Isaac. Okay. And so Isaac's like, uh, Isaac turns around and punches Gavin in the face, <laughs> you know, like brothers do. And it hurts Gavin's feelings, obviously. Yeah. You know Gavin, man. Yeah, like yeah. he just doesn't have that killer mentality. No. And, but Isaac does, you know. And so Isaac's like... um, so Gavin starts, he's about to start crying, you know, and Isaac's like, oh, you're going to cry? <laughs> <laughs> so, and so it makes Gavin mad. And so Gavin grabs him and tackles him. And when he tackles him, he rolls on his leg, breaks his leg, bro. <laughs> breaks the dude's leg. Oh, man. And so it's a day. They're flying out early the next morning. And so Erica, you know, she's like, I don't know what to do. He's saying it's hurting. But, you know, he's like, it's not that bad kind of thing. So they iced it, elevated it. The next day, flew back home here to Toronto, and uh, it just you know kept getting worse. So I took him to the emergency room last night, 
in the schwa. In the schwa. In, where Jared ministers and Jen and uh, the emergency room come down here to South Oshawa. And so <laughs> sitting in the waiting room with Isaac, he's already nervous. He's seen too many movies. He thinks they're going to set the leg, man. He's like, they're going to set it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And all this stuff, you know. And there's this dude in there. And uh, I don't think he's he was like all there, you know, mentally. And um, <laughs> he starts to freak out. And he goes into the, the nurse and she's like getting him checked in. And she's like, so what's your problem? And he's like, I've got hemorrhoids. They're huge. <laughs> <laughs> he's screaming now. The entire waiting room is listening to this. Welcome to Oshawa. Yeah, man. And uh, Where I'm from. Yeah, that's where right. Where I live. And uh, so, so she's like, okay, sir, you're going to have to calm down. And so the security comes in there like, sir, if you don't calm down, we're going to have to remove you. And so you can hear the, <laughs> you can hear the dialogue. The nurse is like, Okay, um, why don't you go ahead and have a seat and just relax? And he's like, didn't you hear me? My hemorrhoids are enormous. They're, they're bothering me. And it's like, dude, this is like a private matter. You should not be screaming this. And so anyway, so, um, you know, so we got, got to, to see the doctor. And they said, we, we did the x-rays earlier in the day. Healthcare works a little bit differently here. And uh, got the x-rays and uh, had them on CD. And the doctor's like, yep, it was the best break possible. You know, it was a clean break, so we don't have to even set it. Um, but they gave him like an air cast, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he's got an appointment next week to get like a to see the actual specialized fracture clinic doctor yeah, and yeah. get a more permanent cast. So that's what's been going on in our week, man. So how about you, brother? Well, uh, it's been it's been a good week. Uh, it's been an exciting week. We're seeing some cool stuff happen ministry wise. It's also been kind of crazy. We're going on a men's retreat this weekend, so it's kind of yeah. a shortened week. Um, but, uh, we, um, my, my favorite story from the past week though, has been, you were actually there for it. Uh, when we were at the coffee shop meeting with, uh, our friend, uh, Joshua, uh, last week. So (laughs) we're, we're in line, we're in line, uh, getting coffee and Matt is doing what Matt does. And he, uh, you know, some, I don't know, he, he started a conversation with these two people online and, and then, uh, he said, he name dropped Jesus, you know, basically he's like, man, you know, that's, you know, something you said something like, um, I said, life's too short, man. You got to focus on Jesus. Yeah. Something like that. And so, you know, so he, he says that and some, this guy overhears him in line and, and, you know, says, I don't know if, uh, you were either uh, mocking Jesus or you were, uh, praising him. And Matt was like, well, I was praising him, you know? And so he gets in a conversation. It turns out, you know, he said, I'm a Christian, him and his wife are there. And, and so he starts asking questions. He figures out, Matt (laughs) says, you know, well, you know, we're, we're a church planner. And the first question out of his mouth is, uh, do you preach expository? (laughs) You know, and that's the one I knew as soon that when that's your first question that you ask somebody, like, I already know where this is going. Yeah. so it's like, and then he's like, uh, Matt's like, oh yeah, you know, he's like verse by verse. <laughs> like, Jared, Jared's like, Matt's more of a topical preacher. Yeah, I actually said that a lot. <laughs> but tell, tell what the dude so said. The guy, so then Matt starts talking to this guy's wife. And so he kind of turns to me and he goes, and he goes, so you're, you're a, you're a pastor now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I started a church and he goes, okay. He's like, I just got stabbed in the stomach. I've got two minutes to live and I'm lost. Share the gospel with me. Ready, go. And he takes his phone out and starts a timer, <laughs> starts a timer. and then just looks at me. It's a timer. And I'm like, um, and he's like, and he goes, the clock's ticking. I'm dying. I got, you got a minute 30 now. I heard him say that to Yeah, you. he's like, I've got a minute 30 now. And like every 30 seconds, he updates me. He's like, 60 seconds. It's, you know, so I'm like, I'm like, 
Um, I can hear Jared. Jared's like, um, well, uh, <laughs> I was like, you want to be like, dude, I share the gospel like almost every day with people. Like, I, you'll get a life. Yeah. Well, the best part was, so I'm like, so I, you know, I share the gospel and he starts, you know, and I'm like, you know, so I, I just do a basic gospel presentation and he's like, well, what is sin? You know, like, you know, things like that. And, you know, wants me to like go and I'm like, really, you want me to like expound every doctrine that there is? Yeah. And so I get to the end of it and he goes, uh, he goes three, two, one. <laughs> and then he goes, and I'm dead and I'm going to hell. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I got to improve on my gospel. We were like, where do you go to church? He's like the fundamental independent Baptist conservative, right? It was just man. like, dude, man. But he, he, he starts giving me like feedback and he's like, but you know, he's like, you did pretty good. I was like, well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I was, know, I was hoping somebody would grade me on my gospel presentation yeah. when I came to the coffee shop. Yeah, today. exactly. You know, what's so sad about that, man, is remember what they told us? They're like, we lived here for three years and we haven't been able to find a church. It's like, yeah, no wonder. I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what? You know what? Honestly, though. Yeah. So when he started asking me about... Uh, <laughs> When he started asking me about what church, like I had business cards in my pocket, but I literally, the thought went through my mind. If he asked me for my business card, I'm, I'm going to say, oh, I'm out. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, bro. Uh, well, I, I suddenly forgot the name of my church. Um, Matt's, ch- Matt's church is way better than oh, mine. Yeah. You should go to his. Yeah, it's Jerry totally was, better. Jared was like, well, you live really closer to Matt's. You know, you should go to Matt's. <laughs> Like man, I've just learned like I do not. No way, I man. don't, man. I, I, that's why I would rather have somebody who's lost as all get out come yeah. to my church. I just am not interested in people that we had. Um, we had a we had. She was a really old lady, sweet lady. Um, but she came a couple weeks ago because she was the grandmother of one of our um, new believers. A yeah. new believer, and uh, she the. Uh, this new believer is getting her baby dedicated. Yeah, and so you know her family came and her grandma came up to me after. She was like, she's like, you're a you're a really great preacher. I, I just have one question. Uh, how come you don't use the King James version? That's the the only authorized version. You know, that so alarm we, start to go off in your head. Oh well, yeah. No, like, I was like, oh. I was like, oh man, here we go. And, you know, and so yeah. I just told, her, and she was like, well, you know, uh, Revelation says not to add or take away from one verse. I was like, you know, that was written in Greek, right? <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah it, so. it, you know what you learn, though, man, honestly, like to our church planners listening, you learn in the beginning, you, you, you think, well, like I can fix this person. If I can get them on mission or whatever. No, you can't. Nope. You know, they will cause so many problems in your church and you just have to be honest with them of where where, where you're going and, and whether or not they're going to fit. And That's stuff. like a girl trying to date a dude who gets in trouble and thinking I'm going to fix him. Oh, if, absolutely, uh, man. It's know. just not going to happen. No, it's not. I'm going to take a drink of coffee. Hold on. Yeah. Especially with people that are in, especially with people who are it like they were, they were later in stage in life. They're probably in their mid to late fifties, yep. maybe early sixties even. You know, and I loved, like, honestly, I loved how they were talking about how bold they are. Like, they go out and, like, street preach and stuff like that. But they probably do it in such a way that's so obnoxious. Nobody wants to come to Christ, you know? Yeah. yeah. But anyways. Well, I suppose we should get into the topic. We've been rambling now for 12 (laughs) minutes. Yeah, uh, we apologize. Yeah, sorry about that. You probably haven't been edified at all this far in this episode. But, hey, so today we're going to be talking about vision and mission. So kind of what the difference is between vision and mission and uh, what constitutes a good mission statement, things like that. So, Matt, I guess we'll just start off with um, maybe defining uh, each and then talking about why they're important. So what is vision and why is vision important? Oh, man, that's good. 
Well, I, I used to have an idea on, on some of these things um, when we started. And, you know, but looking back on it, God, God gave us a vision pretty early. I didn't really necessarily know how to how we came to it or anything like that. But, you know, there is a guy named Will Mancini who wrote a book that I was introduced to through through the Sin Network, through Multiply Training. I went to uh, train the trainer down in Atlanta, learned how to coach church plan- or to train church planners, and went through this process. And one of the books they put in our hands was called Church Unique. Mm-hmm. And the book like changed in my life in terms of how I lead. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think it's safe to say it did yours too, because yeah. um, you learned these principles as well. But we learned the vision frame. And now, <clears throat> Will Mancini, we'll have to have him on here someday, but... Um, he is an incredibly intelligent person and the book church unique is, I found it very hard to read. Like I had to literally read it four or five times before I really got the principles and the concepts, but he talks about the vision frame and how that frame, you can Google it. We'll put a link, Jared will put a link up, you know, to, so where you can get an idea, but it's basically, you know, the mission is what are we doing? You know, that's our mandate. What Mm -hmm. have we been called Mm -hmm. to do? Um, and you have your values. Why are we doing it? The strategy is how are we doing it? And your measures are when are we successful? And then your vision proper is in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that is where is God taking us? And so to answer yep. your question, I would say your vision is where is God taking you? Yep. Yeah. Where is God taking you? Uh, vision looks forward to, you know, the preferred future that we want to achieve mm-hmm. for the sake of the the kingdom's advancement. Yeah. That's how I look at vision now. That's good. Um yeah, I'd say that, you know, vision is ultimately a, a destination, yeah. um, but it's a big picture destination. I think, you know, I think vision should be big, um, you know, something that, uh, you know, isn't going to have a short lifespan, yeah. uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, some of the reasons that vision are important, you know, there's the, you know, the verse in Proverbs says, without vision, the people perish. And I know yeah. That's one that we quote a lot. And I think everybody knows the vision is important, yeah. but there's uh, a lot of times there's a lot of confusion as to exactly what vision is, yeah. exactly how to um, you know come up with a compelling vision, how to communicate it, yeah. how to articulate it, things like that. Um, but I, I think the the reason that it's so important is because church planting is hard, mm-hmm. and at some point, uh, I think vision's really tied to your calling, absolutely, uh, in a lot of ways because yeah. church planting is going to get hard, and at some point. You and your people are going to look up from the grindstone yeah. and you're going to ask, why am I doing this? Yeah. Like, why am I, uh, you know, getting pummeled day in and day yeah. out? You know, why are we subjecting ourselves to, you know, this stress and yeah. to these hardships and you know, all this stuff? Uh, you know, and you better have a compelling vision to yeah. back that up because a vision is something that you can look at uh, in the midst of that and go, you know what? It's hard, but it's worth it because this is where God has called us to go. And mm-hmm. th- we believe this is where God is taking yeah. us. And once we get there, it's going to be worth it. That's right. Yeah. And a, a vision has to be something. It's so funny we're talking about this because we're walking through Nehemiah right now. Mm-hmm. And if you, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but if you want to, at Fellowship Pickering, the church I lead, we're walking through it. And if you want to really see what it means to to cast a vision and to get God's people aligned onto a vision, man, read the book of Nehemiah mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you see all these different challenges that come across, uh, you know, Satan sends these people to, to, to challenge them and mock them and discourage them and doubt them and all this kind of stuff. But Nehemiah keeps on bringing them back to the vision. Mm-hmm. The vision is to rebuild the wall for the glory of God yeah. and to protect Jerusalem. 
And um, when you start to get into the details of that, <clears throat> of what it means, the value of building that wall and all those gates and stuff, like it was instrumental to their way of life. Yep. And so when we talk about vision and church planning, you've got to you've got to preach vision, you've got to cast vision, you've got to articulate vision. The planner asked me one time, "When do you stop talking about your vision?" I said, "Never. Yep. You never stop. Not until Jesus calls you home or to mm-hmm. something new, because we are as as people we're we're just fickled." You know, we, we lose focus, we forget, we, we, we run to something a little more shiny or whatever it might be. Yeah. And as leaders, it's our job to keep the vision in front of people. We might talk a little bit about that. I don't know. But it's important to keep that vision in front of your people at all times. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. We uh, Our vision kind of to give uh, maybe our listeners an example yeah. of some vision. And, and I'll, I'll kind of tell ours and then let you maybe yeah. share what Fellowship Pickering's vision is. Yeah. We call ours 30 Lights. Mm. Uh, so... Uh, the the way the the way we came up with that is we call our small groups or our missional communities we call them lighthouses. So yeah. uh, you you know I know you guys call yours life groups, right? And, and uh, ours are a little bit different. We we do have kind of a, a missional community type of model where we have you know a shepherd uh, for each individual mm-hmm. lighthouse, you know a yeah. leader who we want shepherding those people, and that's where we really <clears throat> want relationships being built. But right. um, you know we know that the majority of the people in our community are not going to come to church on. Sunday mornings. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean we don't invite them. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, like take it seriously, yeah. but we know that most lost people are going to have to go to them. Yeah. And so we believe that, you know, the best way to do that is to have uh, essentially incarnational missional communities scattered all throughout our city mm-hmm. uh, of believers who are meeting together and they're taking onus. They're taking responsibility for their given area. So like I've got a big map on my wall and uh, I've kind of uh, segregated South Oshawa into 30 different regions yeah. essentially. And so each lighthouse, it's their responsibility to get the gospel to every yeah. single person in their specific area by demonstrating the love of Jesus by acts of service and uh, by sharing the gospel uh, yeah. through words. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's our vision ultimately is 30 lights. We yeah. believe that's, uh, that's how we're going to see the gospel get to every single person mm-hmm. here in our city. And yeah. so that's the kind of the big picture vision for our city. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Fellowship Pickering's always been from, from day one, really from when we came, you've heard this a million times, just to plant 12 churches over a 10 year period. Mm-hmm. And we've always just been about multiplication. Now, we don't have time to flesh all that out, but multiplication for, for, for the church I have the privilege to serve and lead is, um, is multifaceted. So mm-hmm. it's not just about planting churches. It's about, my, you know, I'm passionate about developing leaders and pouring into young men. So it's about multiplying life group leaders. It's about multiplying uh, ministry team directors. It's about sending out missionaries. Um, so fleshing all that out, but, yeah. but ultimately for us, like that vision came from the Lord spending time in word and fasting for you. That vision just came straight from the word for us. You know, we're, uh, I was just spending a lot of time in the gospels. I was challenged by a guy, um, to, to, to read the gospels from the perspective of a church planner, mm-hmm. um, and looking at the ministry of Jesus and he's pouring his life into these 12 people and, it's like, why is he doing that? It's because he's going back to be with the Father. And so for us, it was like, man, it's not about how awesome you can preach or about how amazing your Sunday morning service is or whatever. It's about the leader. That's right. And so we're passionate about the leader. We're passionate about pouring into that 12. And, you know, for the glory of God, he's doing it. Obviously, you're one of those, you know, and um, and 
so that's our heart. We, we're really passionate about multiplication. We believe that, that 12 is the first, you know, it's the first step, 12 churches in 10 years. And, and, you know, the funny part about it is, is uh, we're always gonna be about multiplication at Fellowship Pickering, but the Fellowship's network now has really taken on that vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so we pride you to do some a little bit uh, refining in some ways as yeah. a local church as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, um, it's so important to have a big vision and a yes, compelling vision. Man. And I was gonna, you know, a great example of that is this, uh, like if what attracted me, you know, for the listeners that don't know, I'm from Texas um, originally, and when I knew that God was well, you're from to, Austin. Let's. No, I was born and raised in Houston. Oh, that's right, but H Town. But we chunked the deuce. <laughs> he chunked the deuce. I started texting Jared the the peace sign all the time now and saying chunk the deuce. That's not. That's but, but you moved from Austin. The peace sign has to be sideways. <laughs> to chunk the deuce. That's right. Yeah, we moved from Austin. I was in Austin area for about ten years, and. Um, you know, when we knew God was calling us to, to plant in unchurched areas, we had a couple of cities, Vegas and Toronto, were on our radar. God just clarified that it was Toronto. And when we came up, uh, when I came up on my vision tour, my first one here, and I met Matt for the first time, and our uh, honestly, what what drew me here uh, to be a part of what was going on here was the vision. And when I came, uh, Matt had really the Fellowships Network was just a vision. It was just that yeah. there was not much going on yeah. as far as network wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fellowship Pickering was doing well. Your church, your original church plant. You know, I, th- I think when I came, there might have been fifty or sixty people yeah. there. And um, Case of Ann uh, hadn't even planted Fellowship no. Bruce Park. He was in our, re- first, he was our first residence. Yeah, he was he was a resident. And so this was all just kind of a dream, yeah. basically. But it was yeah. a God dream, you know. Like Will Mancini talks about that in his, in his second, second book, book, God Dreams. Right? Um, it was a it was a God sized dream. Uh, but you know, I know, like if Matt's vision, if Matt didn't have a vision, number one, or if his vision would have been like, you know, well, we just want to, you know. Uh, you know, grow our church to be a really big church, yeah. or if it would have been, you know, a vague uh, vision with not, without much clarity, oh, we just want to advance the kingdom of God. None of those things would have caused me to really want to buy in, but because of that that vision, that it was a kingdom-minded vision, it was big, uh, those types of visions will attract leaders. Yeah. It'll attract people who, uh, and inspire people to want to come on board mm. and get involved. And that's really like one of the things that compelled me to actually come up here, me and Jen, yeah. to come up here in the first place. You said a couple of key words, man, we should just camp on. And we got to get to mission as well before we run out of time. But like, you know, you said kingdom and you said inspiring and you said big. Yep. And um, I, I was coaching a church planner last week uh, from BC and uh, sharing this same thing with him. If you're a church planner out there, one thing you need to understand is um, we're, 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 we're always going to be doing partnership development. We're always going to be fundraising, those kinds of things. That's just part of our calling yep. as church planners, especially if you're going to be multiplying. And one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest um, uh, hurdles I see that planners have in fundraising is they don't have a big God size, like inspiring vision. Yep. If if you're if if I'm a, if I'm the pastor of a church, say of a couple thousand, and you come to me and say, you know, um, our church is really super and we want to reach lost people, I would say, so does every church that you know yeah. is is yeah. one is uh, is gospel centered, you know. Yeah. And so you have to you have to have a vision in such a way where anybody can jump on board with you and partner with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one of the things that we're so proud of is that. We have partners that um, of churches that average seventy in attendance mm-hmm. um, in, in in the rural South, and we have churches that 
are really big in big urban cities. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason why both can partner is because the vision is big. We yep. need a lot of help. Yep. And so if your vision is so small, I would just say this, like if, if your vision is like you can accomplish your vision, that's not a God, that's not a God sized vision. Nope. That's not a God sized dream. And why would other people say, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll get involved there. Mm-hmm. You know, now part one of our values as a church, and this is actually one of the values for our network as well, is risk taking faith. That's right. And the way I always define that for people is, uh, if you can do it without, or if we can do it without God, then we don't want to do it. Yeah. Like we only want to do things that 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 are possible with God. Yeah. You know, we right. only want to do things where if God doesn't step in and intervene here, there's no way this is going to happen. Uh, that's what we mean by God sized vision. Absolutely. Right. Where this is impossible yeah. unless the Lord steps in and does something miraculous. And so um, we'll, we'll come back that to kind of tie a bow on, on vision here in a second, but let's kind of hit on mission. Yeah. Um, mission and vision, I feel like get, um, interchanged a lot mm, and yeah. people don't understand the distinction. So what's the distinction? Uh, why is it important to, in addition to having a vision to have a mission statement? Yeah. I, I think the vision looks forward mm-hmm. to the preferred future and mm-hmm. you've got to find ways to interlace your vision nonstop, constantly, just like I said, all the time. But mission, your mission statement, that's the reason why we exist in what you're doing now, yep. not tomorrow, today. Yeah. And so at Fellowship Pickering, you can speak into the mission at Fellowship Oshawa. At Fellowship Pickering, our mission is uh, to connect people to Jesus and one another. Mm-hmm. It's to connect our community to Christ and one another. And everything we do branches off of that that mission statement. And so it's why we exist. It is to connect people to Jesus and one another in John ten ten, Christ says he's come to give life and give it more abundantly. We don't believe that abundant life comes unless you're connected properly, vertically, and then to one another uh, horizontally. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, you know, Will taught us this, but you know, in in your strategy, our strategy to get people on the mission is what we call the four G life. It mm-hmm. is we want people to gather as a church family on Sunday mornings. We want them to. Uh, uh, group together in what we call life groups. You call missional communities. We want them to grow in stages. Our discipleship pathway we talked about a couple weeks ago with Saba. And then we want them to give uh, everything to God through their time, talent, treasure. So, you know, gather, group, grow, give, man. And we hammer that home all the time. That's our mission. Yep. That's how we get people on mission. Yeah, we um, our, our our mission statement at Fellowship Oshawa is multiplying disciples and churches so that Oshawa becomes a place where people love to live again. And yeah, uh, there's a lot of intentionality behind that, um, and and it um, it makes a lot more sense. I think it makes even more sense to people who live here in Oshawa uh, than maybe it does to an outsider because uh, it kind of tells the story of yeah, our city yeah. Yeah. Uh, within the mission statement. So you know, we, as we learned the story of our community, uh, we actually are that was not our original uh, mission statement. Yeah. Yeah. Our, so our original mission statement was lighting the way to life changing encounters with God and life giving relationships with other people. And one of the things that we began to realize after being a couple years in here and we begin to to learn our community better was number one it hit me that that's uh that's a good mission but you could take that mission statement and it would make sense in virtually any context in the entire world yeah because there are dark places everywhere and everybody needs to light the way to new relationships with a new relationship with god and new relationships with other people so really all it was was it was a fresh way of um describing or expressing you know 
love God and love people. Right. Essentially is what that was. Yeah. It wasn't really unique. Yeah. And so I, it kind of brought us back to the drawing board. And one of the things we noticed about our community is that, so we, we're a, a GM town. Uh, Oshawa used to be kind of a booming town in the 80s and the 90s. And when GM, uh, General Motors, began to lay people off, uh, that's when things took a turn for the worse. Uh, and so it's kind of a microcosm of Detroit where we are. Uh, that's why there's a lot of poverty, a lot of crime now where we live in the south end of Oshawa. And um, so uh, what I heard whenever I would go out and talk to people all the time is uh, I can't wait to get out of the city or I'm just trying to get out of the city. And a lot of people feel stuck here uh, because they can't get out. And so we thought, well, what if we presented a different narrative? Um, instead of let's just abandon Oshawa and let's get out of here. What if we work together uh, to make Oshawa a place where people love to live again? By mm-hmm. the way, I wanted to uh, originally say, <laughs> so let's stupid. make Oshawa great again, but my yeah. wife vetoed that. <laughs> That's probably a good decision on her part. <laughs> but anyway, so we learned the story of our community and we looked at what the word of God said. Yeah. Uh, we prayed uh, and then we applied the gospel or the heart of God to the need in our city. And then we expressed it in a way that would make sense to people in yeah. our city who hear it. Unchurched people. Yeah. If, uh, one of the, the, one of the problems I see so often with mission statements is that yeah. it makes sense to insiders and right. it uses insider language. But if you want to re- reach lost people, it needs to make sense to yeah. lost people. Or why would they be compelled That's at right. all to want to come and see uh, what your church is doing? Yeah. Why would they want to be a part of it? Man, that's so good. I I think what you hit on is so important. I, what what changed my frame of thinking with all of this is. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you know, you know our story, man. We didn't mm-hmm. know anything about church plan. Literally, I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about it. And so when we came up here, I'm knocking on doors, meeting all these people, and none of them go to church. None of them know Christ. And so I'm like, you know what? We're going to be a people for who don't go to church. A church for people who don't go to church. I thought that was catchy, you know, and I, now, I didn't know any of the baggage that I carried with it because mm-hmm. I'm not from church planning the world. I don't know anything about, you know, the, the church planning world. And so people, you know, outsiders would, or, uh, you know, would say, oh, so you're an attractional church. And I'm like, oh, what is that? You know, and it's, <laughs> it's like, you don't know. And then they come to our church like, oh, uh, you're not attractional at all. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, so then we started to rethink, uh, okay, and you got to understand just because you start one way, it doesn't mean where you, you learn as a church planner. Now, I'm not encouraging you, if you're listening to this as a church planner, to, to you know, make these knee-jerk changes left and right. I see that all the time, and mm-hmm. I think it's dangerous. What I do encourage you is to go through good, solid training for several years before you actually get to launch, um, and that will help you alleviate some of these problems. But for us, you what you said is so important. What, what Will teaches you in that book, Church Unique and God Dreams, is God has placed you— for such a time as this, your church in that particular area in South Austria, Scarborough, Bowmanville, Pickering, mm-hmm. Ajax, wherever it might be, for a specific purpose and reason. And if you try to just copy and paste somebody else's vision, you're going to get into trouble. Yep. And the, the reason how we got to uh, connecting our community to Christ and one another, to Jesus and one another, is because after being here for four years and talking to people, we see a lot of people are lonely. A lot of people don't have relationships. People are busy. And we went through this entire process. It, it took nearly two years of visioning and hammering out our mission statement, mm-hmm. um, it, going through that process that Will teaches you in that book. And it was just so incredible for us. Mm-hmm. And something that sounds so simple to an outsider it actually was very complex yep. for us to get to connecting our community to Jesus and one another, but it makes perfect sense in our context. Mm-hmm. And so you have to know your context. You have to know your culture. You cannot I, just, I'm not a fan of just copying and pasting somebody else's vision and taking it into you, uh, to your plant because it just might not work. Yep. 
No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, it's got to be. You know, like the book Church Unique, right? Um, and it can't be generic. Uh, I think you know. So uh, I think Will is the one that talks about the five C's, right? Yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember all the C's, but I do know that a couple of them that I try to keep in mind be clear. Your vision and and your mission need to be clear, compelling, and catalytic. Yeah. Uh, so there's got to be clarity uh, to everybody. Yeah. Uh, so that like if you described your vision to an unchurched twelve year old, um, they would understand what. Yeah you're saying essentially and that was part of when we when we uh examined our old mission statement lighting the way to life-changing encounters with god and life-giving relationships with other people we realized um it was flowery language but it wasn't really clear to people a lot of people didn't really understand exactly what it meant um and it also wasn't very repeatable yeah and so we wanted something that was clear and then compelling you know kind of like you know 12 churches in 10 years was compelling for me and then catalytic where it inspires people to action you know something that People actually want to be a part of. Yeah. It's something where some people can see, hey, I could have a role here. Like, yeah. I could play a part in this vision. This isn't just, you know, a one man band. It's not just about the main leader and everybody else is just along yeah. for the ride, but there's a role for me here. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of those other C's is concise. I love that. You oh, know, concise. And yeah. The, if, you, if your vision, <laughs> you know, look at some of the churches that I've seen, you know, uh, you go and you travel and you see some of these things and uh, people will, will, will have them somewhere in their mm-hmm. church. You know, they're on a banner or on a wall or something like that. And they're so long. And if you just, if you're listening to this, if you're wondering, I wonder if my people have, because as pastors, we think everybody's in the boat, man. Yep. We think everybody's in the boat and everybody has an oar and everybody's going the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, using PJ Flex language at, um, uh, he was at Western Michigan and now he's at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Just watching that dude and how he motivates and coaches and stuff. He's got a mantra that it's called row the boat. And mm-hmm. it's it's just cool. And sometimes we think everybody has an oar. Everybody's got a paddle in the water and they don't. Right. And so if you're listening to this and you're a leader and you're wondering, I wonder if people know our vision statement. Ask. Yeah. Just go up to people and That's randomly good. ask, hey, what's yeah. what's our vision statement at, you know, um, First Baptist ABC Church or, you know, uh, Compelling Church or whatever mm-hmm. your church name is. And just listen yep. and hear what they say to you. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to learn a couple of things. Hey, it's 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 people are getting it. And you're like, amen, we're doing a good job of this. Or you're going to learn people don't have a clue what our vision is. Yep. And if people give you real generic language, like, well, we want to reach lost people for Christ or, you know, we want to make disciples. Um, you know, they, they probably don't have, you probably don't have a clear, concise vision. Right. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> glorifying God and making disciples is not a vision because yeah. that's literally what every church is yeah. called to do. So that's, that's kind of a, it. that's a given, right? Yeah. Is that we all should be glorifying God and making disciples. If we're not, then you're not even a church. Yeah. Uh, really. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, if you, if you do that and you discover like, man, I don't think we have you know, a clear, compelling, uh, concise vision. I don't feel like our people really know what our vision is. Then, uh, the first thing you need to do is you need to kind of go to the drawing board and figure out what is the vision of our church and what is our mission statement going to be. So, um, I like how, um, again, Mancini puts it in the book. He talks about, um, kind of discovering three things, uh, your local predicament. So what are the unique problems in your community and your mission field, uh, your collective potential. So what are the, what are the gifts, uh, and the, um, just the unique uh, abilities uh, and and 
equipping of your people uh, and then apostolic esprit so what are your people passionate about yeah you know, um, what do you know what what's what do you hear people talking about a lot what are people fired up to do and you kind of put those three things together and when you do that you find where all three of those meet and you begin to get your put your finger on where God might be leading you uh, as a church for for what your unique vision could be yeah. and then once you've crafted that vision you need to say it a yeah. lot yeah. everywhere. You need to say it from the pulpit. You need to talk about it in announcements. Uh, you need to uh, do you know sermon series mm-hmm. on it. Uh, you need to repeat you know celebrate it, uh, yep. repeat it over and over and over again until it becomes common language yeah. amongst your people. Absolutely, your signage, everything mm-hmm. that you can do to to it, to to infuse that DNA into the life of your church uh, from the beginning. You know, from the beginning, yeah. and you know, for those of you listening, it's not too late. You're, you're, you're saying, "Well, man, I planted my church three years ago. I wish I would have got this information." It's never too late, man. No, no. God's grace is so so awesome, and it's so sufficient. I, I would say a couple more things. You know, just people ask all the time. I remember one time um, our worship leader at Fellowship Pickering. He asked me. He said, "How did you get this vision? Like, how how did it?" How did it become? And I would just say a couple things. Um, first of all, vision has to be from God. You have to get your vision. You have to get your mission from the Lord. You have to be in the Word. You have to spend time. Um, you have to. You have to do all those kinds of things. If you're not, if you're not spending time with God, if you're not, if you're not fasting, if you're not asking the Lord to give you clarity for the vision in the church that he's called you to lead, you're not going to get it. And you know what you are going to do? You're going to start Googling and looking at all these churches and trying to listen to all these podcasts. And listen, we want you to listen to our podcast yes. to learn, but but don't, don't just copy vision from right. anybody. God has... God, I just believe this, man. I, I think God has a has a vision for every single church, and He has a has a dream for every single church, um, a, a unique vision. And um, I, I would say a couple more things about vision and mission. These things aren't your doctrine. You know, I, I, I think that's another really good tip that uh, Will Mancini talks about, and Mac Lake uh, has influenced me in this in a lot, a lot of ways. We're gonna have Mac on soon, but you know, vision is not your doctrine. It's not the time, you know, to talk. Yes, we mm-hmm. we believe in gospel-centered preaching. We believe in the authoritative power of the Word of God. We believe in the power of prayer, all those kinds of things. Have a place for your doctrine where people can find your doctrine. They know what you stand for. We're not advocating against that. Yeah. But when you're casting that vision all the time, it's just so vague mm-hmm. and ambiguous so, you know, you can't get people on board with that. And you're not being unfaithful no. to the Lord if you don't describe and, you know, give a full doctrinal statement in your mission statement. Yeah. That's not what a mission statement is for. Yeah. Like you can you can lay out your doctrine and your statement of beliefs. That's what a statement of beliefs is. Yeah. Right. It's a different page on your website. Absolutely. You don't have to put your statement of beliefs in your mission statement. Yeah. I mean, for us, uh, you know, in the CNBC, Canadian National Baptist Convention, um, our tribe down south is obviously the Southern Baptist Convention, you know. That's our Baptist faith and message. Shout out, shout out SBC. Shout out SBC. That was, that was the, uh, you know, that's the Baptist faith and message. And that's where we get ours from. And mm-hmm. we point people to that unashamedly. We're unashamed of that. Right. And then I, the last thing I would say, you alluded to it earlier is, man, this has been a huge learning curve for me because you only know what you know. Mm-hmm. We talk about, we say that all the time and we just didn't come with the core group. We didn't come with the core team. So I would say like Jared spoke into this earlier, but he, get your core team around you, get people around you to speak into this vision. Like let it become 
not just yours. As the leader, um, I read this really good quote. I forget the name. You guys can you guys can uh, search it or whatever. I forget who, but I didn't, it's not original of me. But he's talked about having the Moses effect, where we think that only we gotta get the vision directly from God to the leader, mm-hmm. and it only comes to us. And there's a there's a certain degree. I I still think that that needs to happen. But what we see in scripture is like when the team got the vision to go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. When when the team got the vision to go and impact the world for Christ. Uh, Acts thirteen, right? Yeah, man, Paul, Barnabas, it. and the others are praying, and you know the Holy Spirit says, "Set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for that's the right. work to which I've called them." Right, and so they receive that yeah. vision together. They make that decision. They lay hands on Paul, Paul and Barnabas, and they send yeah. them out on the missionary journey. The first one, you know, man. And I would say, you know, the problem when when we don't have vision transfer, like when when we don't transfer the vision, mm-hmm. when it does, it's not shared vision. It's your vision. Yeah. And then what happens? You're not starting Jared Huntley Church or Matt Hess Church or Joe Smith Church. You're starting Christ Church. Yep. You know, you're and so the church is made up of God's people. So if you're if you're if it's the vision is just about you and what you want to do and, and um this is my vision, what happens when you leave? Mm-hmm. What happens when God calls you to something else? The the church dies with you. Yep. And so you gotta transfer it and it's gotta become your people's vision. Mm-hmm. And and we can, you know, shoot us emails uh at Jared uh you know, Jared's got the information and uh, on our on our show on our website. Show notes. Show notes, yeah. Matt, and, Matt's not real good at all the terms yet. I, I'm not good learning. at the talking. But but <laughs> But email us and ask us how to do some of these tips, how to involve people more, because we, we don't have time today, but there's a, there's a million different ways that you can involve people in the vision. It's going to, I'll just warn you though, when you start doing this, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone because we've been conditioned sometimes as leaders, especially if we've been in ministry a long time, just thinking that it's only us and we can't invite lay people into this. And sometimes it's challenging. So uh, but but you got to transfer the vision. That's good. Well, we need to wrap things up. So uh, let's go ahead and get to our marching orders. And um, whoops, you know what? See, this is what happens when you're just starting a podcast and you still don't have the buttons down. <laughs> let's try that again. Let's get down to our marching orders. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. All right. So here's what I would say. Um, first and foremost is uh, if you don't have a differentiated uh, vision and a mission statement, uh, then marching order number one would be you need to go to work on crafting that. So if all you've got is a mission statement or if you've kind of had a blended vision and mission statement, then you need to sit down and figure out, OK, what's our vision? So where is the uh, the desired destination? Like if we could dr- dream the biggest dreams we can and what do we want to see God do in our mission field? And then the mission statement is what are we actually doing today, right? So the vision is for the tomorrow, yeah. the desired tomorrow, and mission statement is today. And then uh, go to your people and just go randomly sample 10 of your people and ask them, what's our what's our mission here? Yeah. And see what you get back. Um, and if you get back a bunch of different answers or you get a lot of vague responses, and that tells you you may need to go to work and uh, drilling down uh, more specifically on what your mission statement is. Uh, Church Unique is a really good resource, a great book by Will Mancini yeah. uh, that you can turn to. Uh, and you can also uh, feel free to reach out to myself or Matt. Uh, you know, we love talking about this stuff and we'd be uh, happy to point you in the right direction as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my marching orders would be just get into your community and speak to five people. 
number one through five on a blank piece of paper on notebook, go to business owners, strangers, whatever it might be, and just start to talk to them about your context. And you, you might've been born and raised there and you think, you know, your context, your context might've changed in some ways that you haven't, cause you're not talking to people. So that is the best way you can, you can get a clear vision is to go and actually talk to the people you're trying to reach. That's really important. And then secondly, I would just second what Jared said. I just believe so much. This tool, um, the vision frame from, from Church Unique and God Dreams, um, it is such a good tool. It's it's not the only tool out there, I'm sure. Um, there's a lot, but, but once you get this frame, it can just bring so much clarity to your ministry. And I'll just go as far as to say this. I will never lead another church or organization again without have, doing a vision frame. I just yep. won't do it I'd say because it's thing. brought so much clarity yep. to where we're going and what we're doing. Yep, I'd say the same thing. Well, hey guys, we're out of time today. So thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Um, do us a favor, make sure, uh, first of all, that you head over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com and you, you can check out other episodes there, but uh, we also need your help getting the word out. So if this podcast has been uh, beneficial to you, if it's been helpful to you, then uh, share it with other people. Now, one of the ways uh, you could do that is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or on Google Play or Stitcher, uh, and then give us a rating, five-star ratings only, please. Only five and, stars. And make sure you leave a written review when you go and subscribe. That's going to help our visibility and, and, and share this podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, all that stuff is helpful. So that way uh, that we, we can get this info into the hands of more church planners. Uh, we'd be really grateful if you'd help us with, with that. So uh, we'll be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in the trenches, church planters. Church planters.